Welcome to Box Talk, a podcast for affiliates and coaches, powered by Kettlebell Kitchen is a goal-based meal delivery service that believes in fueling the body with high-quality, nutrient-dense foods to help you perform your best. Head over to kettlebellkitchen.com and use the code BOXTALK to get $25 off your first two orders of $50 or more. Well, welcome to this episode of Box Talk. I'm your host, Heather, editor of Box Pro Magazine, and I am here with Jason from CrossFit Arsenal in Boston, where it is getting warm and beautiful and summery um, across the nation. So, Jason, thank you so much for being on the show today. It's great to have you. Thanks for having me, Heather. Yeah. So, I'm sure our listeners are like, oh, who is this guy? Uh, Why is he on the show? Um, Well, let's start off with the story, Jason. How did you come to find CrossFit? How did you become a CrossFit owner? And yeah, just tell us all that. Yeah. I mean, uh, I mean, uh, in terms of the greater CrossFit world, like I, I'm definitely nobody. Um, I just am a guy who, you know, runs a average size affiliate and, you know, in the outside of Boston, um, we opened up in 2014, uh, CrossFit Arsenal, it's actually in Watertown. So about as close to Boston as you can be with, without being in Boston. Um, but I actually started CrossFit in, I want to say early or late, some, sometime around 2007. And I actually started at CrossFit Atlanta. Um, when it was a really, really small program, um, it was right next to the Georgia tech campus. Uh, Mike Giardino was the coach and, uh, the space was actually like a single bay garage door next to a welder's house. It was attached to his house and, uh, you would, we would just come in and run heats nonstop. It was, it was very different. There weren't like really class structures at that time. I I know that that program's uh, totally different now. And those people are all over, but, but that's how I got to, into doing it, um, back, back then. My goodness. It's, it's funny to look back at those old days and see where you are now and be like, whoa, <laughs> we yeah. really changed. Yeah, yeah. Everything was main site. We would just come in and, you know, you'd wait till <clears throat> the night before for main site to come up and everybody was still posting in the comments, you know, what their main site was. You put, you know, uh, your, your name, you know weight, gender, age, and then, you know, what you did for the workout in there. And, you know, you would see like people who are, you know, really well known across, but now we're still in those comments, you know, there'd be, you know, 10,000 comments and everybody'd be on there, but it was all that, that single, uh, leaderboard or comment board for lack of a better word. Yeah. Yeah. Just a good old throwback to the the later days. So, um, well, okay. So you found CrossFit, you're hanging out in Atlanta doing CrossFit, what brought you to Boston? What what made you be like, hey, not only do I love CrossFit, but I love it enough to open up a gym because that's a whole other animal. Yeah. So, I mean, I've been involved in, in sports and fitness um, in some capacity professionally since I was 17. I actually came into CrossFit as a combat sport athlete. Um, I did mixed martial arts um, in kind of in the early days in uh, Brazilian jiu-jitsu and Thai kickboxing and boxing and all, all, the, all those things. And came into CrossFit as something that I wanted to do to diversify my training. I was already doing a lot of you know, cross training at the time. And I remember finding CrossFit through that just, you know, um, early days of YouTube and being like, I'm already trying to do this. These guys are doing a way better job of this than I am. And so I'm going to go set up with that. Um, so CrossFit was a part of my life, but it wasn't really what I was doing, um, as my primary physical activity. <coughs> and, um, what ended up happening is I actually moved first uh to south america i was living in rio de janeiro for a little while and i was training brazilian jiu-jitsu down there and then um i met my wife at a irish theme bar on ipanema beach long story short (laughs) um 
we end up moving. We, we you know, stay in touch, blah, 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 blah. Uh, she moves to Atlanta for a brief period of time. She's like, I'm going to go to Boston. And I had never really been anything except for just kind of like this, you know, uh, journeyman athlete and a, um, you know, and a trainer at a bunch of these different gyms teaching martial arts and <clears throat> and kickboxing and things like that. So we moved to Boston and I told myself it was time to transition. And I got myself a job working for a really uh, great um, CrossFit uh, trainer up here uh, who was like, uh, you know, been around for a really long time, a guy named Neil Thompson, uh, who <clears throat> I really kind of learned the trade from. And then after a couple of years worked for him, it was time to kind of do my own thing. I just decided like, I'm going to go out and do this. And I literally had 3000 bucks and a pile of barbells from my, um, that I had saved up in my apartment. And I found this space on Craigslist and I needed 20 clients my first day to not go out of business. So, uh, we kind of just started like that and it just slowly built up over the years. Uh, just really, really focusing on making sure that like everybody else came first and that <clears throat> I was going to be super transparent and super accountable to everybody. And over time it built up into a, a decent sized program. And, uh, and then before the, uh, fire took place, we had about 170 clients, um, which is, you know, a, a modest sized gym by like some of the super gym programs, but we, it was a really, uh, strong community. It was very financially upright. Um, and you know, and we weren't, we weren't going anywhere. So that's kind of the, the long and short of it. Yeah. So I don't know if our listeners heard, but you mentioned the word fire before the fire took place. And that's that's one of the big reasons why we're here talking to Jason today. Um, you guys had something happen in August that just was not good. <laughs> um, can you kind of share a little bit about what happened? Yeah. So inconveniently, uh, we had a fire uh, at our uh, old space, which is actually uh, directly next door to where we're, we're located now, uh, coincidentally. Uh, a telephone pole, uh, owned by, uh, Verizon, which I didn't even know Verizon owned telephone poles, to be honest with you, um, <laughs> fell on a couple of cars, including one of mine in front of the building, the transformer on the build on those caught fire, which, uh, I also didn't know that those transformers are full of, uh, some sort of, uh, oil and that oil caught fire basically oh. started the fire and, um, made the basically burned the build, half the building to the ground and then made the other the rest of it obviously uh, not a space that could be occupied so um <clears throat> yeah where do you want me to go with that you oh, know? were there people in the gym at the time while that was happening yeah, oh rundown so you know to, to preface that is we had actually noticed um the infrastructure uh specifically a lot of the telephone poles in the city uh are in pretty bad shape so you don't look at them you don't really think too much of them a lot of them are leaning but this one was looking pretty bad so about five days before this we had actually called the uh eversource which is the electrical supplier and told them that this um this utility pole was leaning and it was leaning enough that it was actually pulling lines off of the building and wow. that being said you know, I don't, I'm not an engineer, you know, I told him like, Hey, you should probably come check this out. Um, didn't really think much of it. Figured they send a truck out. Um, <clears throat> they didn't. And then this happened maybe five, you know, this happened five days after that. So this, when the poll actually fell was in the middle of the, we run classes on the hour. So it was like at four 35, uh, I'm standing behind the building. I wasn't actually coaching the class. Uh, but I was there, <clears throat> there was about 20 people total in or around the building. Uh, 
and you, we just heard this huge bang. And we thought what, what it was at first was a car backfire or something like that because there's a big loading dock on the other side and you hear big noises like that all the time. So what ended up happening was that what the bang was was the transformer exploding when it hit the ground. Everybody comes pouring out the back of the building. The coach was telling me that this uh, telephone pole had fallen over and the cars in the parking lot were on fire. So I went back outside. or So I went back inside, uh, grabbed a, t- a, a fire extinguisher. Silly me thinking that that's going to be, you know, maybe something I can deal with. But I didn't want to, you know, if there's anything that could be done, I really just wanted to make sure nobody was still in the building. And fortunately, people were either exiting or had left. Um, but what ended up happening was that, <coughs> excuse me, what ended up happening was when we got to the front, I could see that the car was already on fire and it wouldn't have normally been unusual for somebody to be sitting in that car, you know, just waiting to start class or whatever. But fortunately, nobody was. Um, we all exited out the back of the building, went around the side so that we could see the front of the building because the building is kind of structured in the middle. And what kind of started off as this slow little fire uh, ended up escalating into this this bigger thing. Um which, um, because they couldn't actually start, even once the fire department got there, they couldn't put the fire out for, because the electrical service was still on. So they had to wait for Eversource to show up. Then Eversource showed up, turned the power off, and then they started putting it in. But by that point, um, you know, the build, the full front of the building was on hot fire. There's like smoke all the way through the building. And then it still took them a while to put it out. And if you've seen the video, um, you can see it was, it was pretty significant. Um, yeah. So the first half of the building was complete loss. Uh, everything else in the building was smoke damaged or, or burned up. Um, <coughs> and uh, the uh, rest of the space, um, you know, was, was unusable and, uh, and condemned by the city. Wow. Oh, my goodness. That's, and it, but it is crazy that no one was hurt, especially because class was going on at the time. Yeah, and we're super fortunate. And if that had been a day where we were doing runs um, – or a day where, um, you know, somebody just happened to be hanging out. I mean, it's a, you know, we have a nice outdoor space. And so it wouldn't have been unusual for somebody to just be sitting there, myself included. Uh, you know, a lot of times I'll, you know, sit on my car and phone call or something like that, uh, just in between classes. Oh, my gosh. That would have been, oh, my gosh. That's crazy. <laughs> oh, man. So so what happened next? I mean, how do you, how, how do you even move from there, like what happened next? Well, you know, uh, we, the, the running joke is, is that we don't close for anything, right? Uh, we had blizzards up here all the time and like we never close no matter what. We will open the gym and it's not necessarily like a thing because like we feel like you have to come in and work out today, but it's more of the work ethic accountability uh, structure that I've kind of just built into the culture where it's like if I'm going to give everybody the opportunity to come if, if, if they want to come. So if there's, you know, four feet of snow outside, I'm going to drive in, you know, and or I'm going to walk in and open the gym for four hours so everybody can come in. So, you know, that being the running joke, uh, everybody just assumed that we would just open the next day. Like even, you know, uh, my head coach, um, Seth, was like, so tomorrow we're going to do 20 minutes of lunges in the park, right? And I'm like, absolutely, right? And so we've got a park next door. And um, you know, I was just trying to keep things light in the wake while the fire was going on, you know, and <laughs> kind of make light jokes. I'm like, I still think we can fix the car. And, um, then I honestly didn't know, but there was news crews everywhere. Um, there was all sorts of vultures. You wouldn't believe how many people will show up while the building's still on fire, trying to sell you cleaning services, what? uh, lawyers and all sorts of things. Wow. Uh, and 
my wife has been super supportive through all that. And she's been really diligent about like, you know, sort of me helping navigate the terrain. And, um, <clears throat> so basically that just, that tied us over the next day. Um, one funny thing that happened was, is that, you know, the news was out there and everything and Eversource showed up just to tell everyone that it wasn't their fault, which I know that they are accountable for the situation to some degree because, um, I'm in contact with their lawyers. So if there wasn't accountable for this for some reason, we wouldn't have to do that. Um, the other thing that happened is, is we know that this poll could have been totally prevented. It wasn't an issue because the building was still smoking when they replaced the one that fell over. Like they literally had just cleared the area and put a brand new pole in within maybe 30 minutes of the, of the, the place being cleared. So it was definitely something that could have been prevented. It was definitely something that wasn't like a lack of manpower. It was really just a lack of convenience uh, on their part. So, you know, all that being said, my goal was to save this thing I'd made and um, this thing that we built together. And I wasn't willing to let this community fall and I wasn't willing to let people lose their jobs. And so I was like, let's just run the tomorrow. We're going to do 20 minutes of walking lunges in the park and we'll make that the class. And then literally <coughs> we just started pulling anything we could out of the building. I had a really awesome landlord, uh, which I know not everybody has the opportunity, but my landlord's a really great guy. Uh, he was there the next day trying to help me, you know, and he's, you know, he's a sharp dresser and he's like, you know, in his, you know, his button down, you know, helped me roll Atlas stones and pull in like ash covered mats and taking care, you know, and we're like taking ergs apart. And we basically spent a week trying to salvage whatever equipment we could and just parking in the alley behind the building. And the alley is probably 20 feet wide by 40 feet long. It was like the section behind our building. And we kind of turned that into our temporary gym space. And with the contingency knowing that we could get kicked out at any point, right? The city could come down or something. And unfortunately the city has been super supportive. The neighborhood's been really supportive. And, um, the, and we ended up doing that for almost two and a half months. Wow. Uh, at one point I even bought a tent off of Amazon. We had a wedding tent back there with a space heater in it. But by the time it gets into November, it gets, starts getting pretty cold in new England. So we had some, you know, 30 degree mornings out here and things like that. And obviously, um, you know, finding a new space in the type of city that this is in, uh, in that short a period of time, very, very difficult. I must've looked at 20 spaces. Um, and obviously we couldn't go, you know, Boston's, uh, a really dense city. Real estate's very, very expensive. It's difficult to place this type of business, um, in general, much less on short notice. Uh, but there wasn't any lack of trying. And we literally just got no after no after no. People wouldn't even show us their spaces. Um, and then after about two months of that um, <clears throat> and just kind of trying to keep the party going, I would throw like a party every weekend. We'd have people come in and uh, just anything we could do. We made T-shirts that had flaming telephone poles on them as fundraiser. Uh, <laughs> we, you know, anything you can think of with that just to try to keep things up. We gave out wildlife badges for everyone who got chased by like an uh, owl at five o'clock in the morning or something like that in the alley. Um, after two months, I had finally found a space that really wasn't going to work, but it was the, we had to go, we had to get inside <coughs> and it was inside of a, a Lexus dealership. It was like an adjacent space what? that they, <coughs> but there was a million conditions and I knew it wasn't going to work, but it was like the last place we could go. 
uh, and the day that that offer was supposed to be signed, um, my neighbor, who had been letting me run the extension cord from his garage for the last two months to so we'd have lights and music, um, came over and was like, hey, we're going to move out <coughs> in like three weeks. Uh, you should talk to our, the landlord and see if he'll let it take over the space. And long story short, we ended up being able to do that. But the space was set up to be an engine, an electrical uh, office uh, for an electrical company with a little bit of garage space and needed a lot of renovations. And so the choice was to kind of take the space that wasn't really going to work long term and probably maybe not at all or, you know, go into this other space that was going to need some work um, and save the community, you know, keep everybody together. Uh, and I just knew that as soon as we moved, you know, it, the energy would change. So we did that. And then we spent five months after that, literally just doing everything we could. I found the cheapest contractors I could possibly find. You know, I found, I literally went out and spent every day, you know, get up at five o'clock in the morning, coach as many classes as I could stay there all day, uh, pulling out old insulation, tearing down walls, calling dumpsters, you know, breaking concrete, you know, anything we could possibly do to save money and time on that stuff. Um, and then I, you know, with the money that we did have available, um, <coughs> use that to, you know, get the things that like, you know, we couldn't do like the bathrooms and the showers and things like that. But, uh, that took almost five months. And in the meantime, where we're still trying to get the utility to be accountable, uh, for the situation, uh, they didn't even come out to look at the damage for almost a month. Uh, and then we submitted our claim in November and they never made it. They made an offer, gave us an offer for our damages in May. And one of them included, well, we'll help you rebuild your space instead, <laughs> which was the irony of that was like, well, if you would have come in August and said that, that would have probably been a great deal. But now uh, after, you know, weeks of me sleeping in my car in the parking lot here, guarding what's left of my equipment and um, and working on this and months of rebuilding this space and now being on my fourth month of you know, uh, limited income or, or none, uh, that's, that's, you know, not really what, it's not an honest effort. And, I, and it's been very apparent that their goal has been to kind of just snuff us out by ignoring us. And unfortunately, if you're a big enough corporation, you can kind of just hire behind your layers of bureaucracy. Um, but we weren't really willing to take that as a, as an offer. So we're back on our feet, um, and all the jobs are saved and we're, you know, we're not quite where we were in terms of population, but, uh, we're, we're, we're heading in the right direction. No matter if you're looking to lose weight, build muscle, or just crush PRs, Kettlebell Kitchen is here to help make it happen. Head over to kettlebellkitchen.com and use the code BOXTALK to get $25 off your first two orders of $50 or more. Jason, what a story. Oh my gosh. That's just, it's, that's just insane. But I know you mentioned like your, your community. Your community has been really awesome through it all. Yeah, no, I mean, I just don't know, you know, everybody wants to say this, but I just don't know that it could have happened with a different group of people, community or otherwise. Everybody was just, I mean, everybody just kind of went with it. Everybody rallied. Um, coaches were amazing. Nobody even ever sniffed at the fact that they had to come stand in an alley at five o'clock in the morning to coach class. Um, everybody really just got behind the idea of, you know, <laughs> you know, alley fitness for lack of a better term. And and people just really, really wanted to see it succeed and saw it as their own struggle uh, as much as anything else. And I know that, you know, at the end of the, you know, maybe not at the end of the day, you know, what we're what, what our services, you know, it's fitness and performance. Right. But 
at the end of the day, um, you know, that's our medium that brings us into the group of people that we have the opportunity to interact with. Right. It could be, it could be a lot of things and fitness is an incredible, uh, way to kind of bring everyone together. But at the same time, like really what, what was coming out of it is this a place that people are mutually deciding to spend their time. And people were really invested in each other. They were really invested in this place, even when it didn't have a place. Um, and you just couldn't have uh, a, a better group of people. I, I can't tell you how many people even just came forward and paid their members when we didn't have a building, came forward to pay their memberships a year in advance so that we could rebuild. And that's how we survived. Wow. Um, and, and that's how we rebuilt. And that's why, why we're still here. Uh, so just incredible. Everybody, you know, really approached it more as of sort of a like, yeah, you can't keep us down. We don't care what our equipment looks like or if it's melted or, you know, has ash marks on it or, you know, and the, you know, if, if somebody ran out of chalk, we just run over and run our hands on some ashes and come back over and, you know, pick it back up and, and use that. So, uh, just an incredible group of people. And I, I, there's too many people to name, uh, frankly, um, but we literally just kept everything going. I was like, I'm just going to keep everything going business as usual as long as, as long as everyone wants to come. Mm-hmm. And, a, and a lot of people stayed. We, we definitely lost a few people, but um, <clears throat> uh, for the most part, um, you know, the people that ended up leaving is more sort of the cyclical nature of, you know, the business and, and being a city that has a lot of, um, has a lot of flux as well because of the student population. Okay. Yeah. Dang. Yeah. That sounds like an awesome community. It does. So, I mean, I know you guys are trying to raise awareness and, um, you know, kind of get your voice heard by, by the bigger conglomerates out there. So I guess what's next? I mean, what, what do you hope for the remainder of this year? I mean, yeah, probably to grow your business again, but also this. We want to, you know, we want to get to the next level, right? It's, you can't just look to get back to where you were. You're always trying to grow. Um, you know, a big thing that we want to make sure is that our community is safe. And one of the things that our community, our CrossFit community has made a big point of is drawing a big attention to basically the crumbling utilities in what is probably one of the wealthiest states in the country. You can't get a um, <laughs> telecom to even come out and replace uh, their equipment can't get a telecom to come out and replace their equipment, even if that means that it could potentially endanger lives. And you can very much tell by the way that they're, they're indifferent in terms of timescale. Um, we have we do have an opportunity to finally mediate with uh, the people who caused this fire. Uh, but the soonest we could get them to come to the table to deal with that is next month, which will be 11 months since the fire took place. Wow. All right. And that was after we made contacts with the attorney general, uh, with our state representative and our state senator, who all advocated on our behalf to make this happen. Before that, uh, it was very much sort of just a thing that was willing to get ignored. So, you know, that's one of our goals is we want to get made whole again so that we've got the, you know, so that we can continue to move forward. We want to be in the position that we were before this all happened. Um, but you know, we're going to just keep going. Like this place isn't going to go anywhere as long as there's, you know, somebody coming in for classes. Uh, we just want everybody to come in, want everybody to have an awesome, you know, fitness experience. But more than that, we want everybody for them to be their place. 
uh, where they spend their time and they feel like, you know, is there, is their home away from home? And, and, um, so far we've been successful in doing that. And I think that moving forward, uh, more of the same, but with a roof would be great. That would be really nice. A tent can only work for so long. You only like a tent for so long. So, but I, I think your all's perseverance and, and Jason, even your grit and determination is really inspiring. I mean, this, this is a big thing to happen. This is a hard thing to happen. And yet you're, you're moving forward, you and your staff and, and even your members are all moving forward and, and trying to just pick up the pieces and, and, but not only just pick up the pieces, but rebuild and be stronger than before. And I don't know, I, I feel like, I feel like you, you might have get, um, gathered some advice or, or tips or things you've just learned along the way that maybe you can impart with. Like what maybe, what maybe has this sh- shown you about even just owning a business um, that could, you know, help encourage other affiliates or maybe just even make them aware of like, hey, you need to be conscious of, yeah, there could be a fire in your building. What are you going to do if there is? Yeah, I mean, I think that the biggest thing, and I don't know that it, uh, this is, you know, necessarily unique, uh, to us, but frankly, like this is a, this is a really unfortunate thing to happen, um, to a business, but in the, in the grand scheme of things, you know, I don't think I took this as hard as maybe even some of the members did. Um, and, and that's simply because like, first off, nobody got hurt, right? Nobody got hurt. And at the end of the day, like we can always rebuild, we can, we can find a way forward. Uh, and it's really inconvenient to not have a livelihood and not have a place to go. But I just don't see that personally as like the bottom line of where I of where I think people should start to get too uncomfortable. Right. If there is a if you can physically get up, if you can go out and you can there's a capacity to work, then there's an opportunity. And I knew that I was not going to stop working and I was not going to stop looking for a better way to go forward. So I guess if I was going to offer any advice, if I'm qualified to give it is to be really know exactly what it is you're trying to do. And don't assume that the first answer that you get from someone is the way that it has to be done. Because if you wait for somebody to come in, if you wait for people's permission to do things, if you wait for somebody to come in and say like, and sign off and tell you like, yeah, this is the way it's got to get done, or it's going to cost this much or it's, uh, it can't be done in this amount of time, then it'll never happen, right? There's always another person out there who's willing to help you if you are willing to help yourself. And that was really kind of what made things happen at the end of the day was that everybody pitched in and there was never really any time where the, um, where, we were just, you know, it was kind of in the mind's eye, like this is going to go away. And I think the other thing is that from the very beginning, it was really, really important to me that the experience for our clients and our, and our experience and the, and the livelihood of the, the coaches, or even just, the what, for whatever it's worth to those people, the experience of our coaches stayed as close to the same as possible. And I knew that I was willing to leverage myself as much as possible in order for that to make, to make that happen. So I, I think that there's a, there's always a place to cut into yourself, right. And in, in the short term or the long term or whatever it needs to be in order to say like, 
I'm going to, I'm going to take this away from myself, this comfort away from myself so that this, so that the program can survive. You know, if I would have just wanted to sit back and been like, okay, like we we're going to cut everybody's hours <coughs> and, um, I'm going to coach every single class. And that way, like, even though we lost, you know, 40% of our members, I can still get a paycheck at the end of the day. Um, I guarantee you, even if I would have, you know, maybe had like an extra buck in my pocket at the end of the day, that this place wouldn't be here because at the end of the day, what this place is, is the people that's in this program. And I, as cheesy as that sounds is every single person is in that program is like your biggest advocate is your biggest resource. You can't, you can't scale yourself, right? You can only, there's only so much of yourself to go around in terms of like how you can spend your time, how much sincerity you can have and how many interactions you can have with those people. So all of your staff for the people who do that stuff, and if they genuinely know that you're out there to look out for them or you're out there to look out for the program at the very least, um, then those are going to be the people that are going to hold everything together. And so, you know, for what it's worth, you know, you know, my income throughout this period of time was a lot less important than it was to salvage the program, um, <coughs> even though that that comes with its own challenges. Uh, and so I just say, like, never be afraid to leverage yourself. Um because you, there's always more to give. Um, and there's always an opportunity as well to find out, to learn what you don't know how to do every single day. We come in, there's going to be something in the program that I know I don't know how to do, but it's my responsibility to learn how to do that thing, uh, in order to move forward. Uh, and you, and you can't wait for people to just come around and say like, yeah, this is, uh, now's the time for this, or, you know, we'll fix this for you because that's not going to happen. And half the people that come in and say that they're going to fix your problems anyway don't know how to do it either. Yeah, yeah, no, that's those are some good words. So, um, and then I'm kind of curious too, Jason, uh, what were maybe, what were maybe some of the biggest challenges you had over these past five months in rebuild? I mean, uh, whether that's you know operationally or getting contractors or whatever, but what maybe were some of kind of the biggest challenges? Because um, I'm, I'm sure that you've learned a lot along that that realm too. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, this is probably my fourth construction project in Boston since I've been here. So at least I've got like a little um, experience dealing with that type of thing. Um, managing contractors is always an issue. You know, we I would have probably gone with a more expensive contractor or a more effective contractor if I would have had the resource to do that. But unfortunately, we didn't. Uh, so there was a lot of things you had to manage with that. Um Man, I, I don't even know where to start. I mean, the whole thing was a thing, um, <laughs> you know. I know the whole thing was a challenge. Like the whole thing, I mean, challenge is not even a strong enough word. We, yeah, we demoed six rooms to be indoors oh my God. Uh, in in 48 hours, uh, you know, and to be in just a usable space. The day we moved indoors, it snowed just enough to collapse the tent in the parking lot. And that was us in, with, I had rowers set up in what used to be the conference room of this space with six of my clients and a flashlight that was, or a, a light that was on a running off a battery, um, because, uh, the lights in that room didn't work. Um, gosh, I don't even know. Mm. Oh, it, it was, it was all a thing. I mean, none of it's harder than any of the rest of it. Yeah. Uh, I think that the, the hardest thing, <laughs> frankly, has been just, uh, you know, making enough time for everything. Uh, and, um, but 
I don't know. It, it was a thing. It's definitely not the hardest thing that's like ever happened, but it was, it was challenging. I really don't know where to start, unfortunately. Yeah. No, that's okay, Jason. I was just kind of curious. So no, I mean, yeah, it's definitely, it's not an easy thing. So I guess, I mean, can the affiliate community, can the, the people who are listening, can, can they do anything to help you all? Is it just getting the word out? Is it, is it just that support or, or what, I don't know, like what could the affiliate community do if, you know, they want to reach out or, or help in some sort of way? I mean, frankly, I feel like the affiliate community has done a ton already. Uh, something that I forgot to mention, um, because it just happened so long ago was right when this all happened, someone started to go fund me for the program and it raised, um, I think it was like $20,000, which is, which is amazing. Uh, that was money that kept us in business through the first, you know, two months, um, of, you know, relocating and, and trying to figure out. Um, but, but as you know, like the, the losses were extensive, um, in more than the hundreds of thousands of dollars. So, and, and a lot of people from a lot of different gyms uh, contributed to that. Uh, I think that was more than enough. Um, and, and honestly, the, the affiliate community, um, just existing, you know, making, making it known that, you know, uh, that, that we're sort of, you know, all part of this greater CrossFit world has, has done, has done more than enough. You know, if there's anybody out there who, you know, I don't know what I don't know, you know, feels like there's something they can do to, you know, help us out as we move forward. We're always receptive to that. If there's a way that we can contribute to anyone out there who's struggling, um, I, I, even though we're just getting back on our feet, I think that, you know, we count ourselves a lucky as one of the people who, uh, you know, are, are at least, um, and we're in a working position to help as well. So, um, yeah, I'm not really looking in for anything other than, you know, the things that the, the, the community's already done for us, which is, has been amazing. And I did have a lot of people reach out at the time of the, uh, at the time of the, of the fire and, and offer kind words and help. Uh, and, and, and frankly, I, I could have done a better job of following up with them, but everything was such a disaster at the time. I must have gotten 700 emails in 48 hours. I didn't do the best job of, of keeping up with everybody. I think it's okay. We can give you a little grace on that. <laughs> Man, Jason. Wow. I mean, it, what a, st like, what a story. And it, this is crazy. Thank you. I mean, thank you for sharing it. Thank you for being open and honest and just being willing to talk about it. I mean, I think this is important because you're right. Like, it's not just you that it's probably happened to. Um, I don't know off the top of my head of another gym that's happened to, but we know it happens to other businesses. And I think I, especially like with the fight you're having and, and, and trying to seek justice and, and, and be like, Hey, like this was, this was your fault. Like, and we need, we need to see how that can benefit everybody everywhere, like all over Boston. Um, but I think that's just really powerful. So I think you sharing the story and even sharing what you're going through and the, the power of the community, um, can really, can really be awesome for the affiliates listening. So thank you very much. I, I appreciate it. I appreciate you too. Yeah. So well, awesome. Well, um, as, as we go ahead and wrap up, I mean, I definitely want to keep posted. I'm sure our audience will keep, want to keep uh, hearing how you guys are growing and how you guys are um, continuing to, I don't know, have this fight. And I, I really hope that conversation in July <laughs> makes an impact. So, um, but seriously, yeah, I just wish you luck with that. And I can't wait to hear, like, hopefully that there will be some really positive news coming from that. 
So, but yeah, Jason, it's been great having you on the show today. I really appreciate it. And, uh, thank you for telling your story. And guys, if you want to reach out to CrossFit Arsenal and just say, Hey, um, I'm sure Jason would appreciate that. If you have any questions for him, I'm sure he'd also be willing to respond. Um, maybe you have questions about how to run a gym and a alley. That would be pretty great to talk to him about. (laughs) If you, if you've done that before, that'd be also awesome to hear. So, but yeah, Jason, thank you so much for being on the show today. I really appreciate it. Awesome. Thank you. Kettlebell Kitchen offers meals designed by nutritionists, prepared by chefs, and conveniently delivered so you can spend more time in the gym and less time in the kitchen. Use the code BOXTALK to get $25 off your first two orders of $50 or more. And that wraps it up for this episode of Box Talk. If you liked what you heard, or you have an idea of what you'd like to hear, let me know by emailing heather at peakmedia.com peak spelled P-E-A-K-E. As always, thanks for dropping in.